you look at the world around us right now, and it doesn't take very long to realize this is like a giant dumpster fire, right? If you follow the news from politics to, to the economy to everything in between and all that, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is bad news. What's the one place? Where, where should you be able to go? Or where could you go to get a different message to hear things are different? Mm-hmm. That's the work of the local church. Hey everyone, my name is Ethan DeLeon and I'm here with our founder and CEO of Small Nation, Jason Duff. On today's uh, episode, we have Pastor Brian Meadows from Cornerstone Church of Huntsville. We want to welcome you to the Small Nation podcast where we share some of the valuable lessons with what we have learned about entrepreneurship, real estate, economic development, and more. The point of this podcast is to create value for you, the listener, and to create a space to learn, talk about what's trending, and inspire others. Thank you, Ethan. Pastor Brian, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Jason, for having me here. I'm, I'm super a, honored. Listen, I'm excited to have you. Um, Pastor Brian is someone that has been really uh, instrumental in my life and my family's life. And you think about your pastor um, in a number of ways, but particularly at the moments that you celebrate some of the things that you're most excited about in life. Um, you know, it could be welcoming a new baby, could be celebrating a marriage. Um, or just a, a milestone in your your faith community or your church or your or, or you know the the schools the kids um, and then in the moment when you are most vulnerable um, and I think the thing that I've learned in life is that um, everything is not always the highs there are also the lows and the people that are there with you to help coach you mentor you love you as you need that support. Um, and so, you know, just this week we got to celebrate the life of an uncle uh, of mine, Emerson Snap, and it just reminded me that the importance of, of pastors and the roles they play in community. So I'm just really excited to have you on the show today. Well, thank you, Jason. And, and I'm super honored to be here uh, when I got the invitation. You know, I took a step back. And as I've told you all along, wow, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. I've, I've watched this and I see who all you bring in here from, you know, the financial gurus, the entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, these young people and all this. And it's like, you sure you want me in here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. So we, we actually have not really heard from the faith community as we talk about uh, you know, building community in a lot of uh, these small towns. So um, excited to build that conversation out a little bit today. But first, before we get into that, so like, I want to hear a little bit about your story, how you know Jason, um, how long you've been in ministry. Let's let's start with that. All right. I have been in ministry for almost 30 years, 29 to be exact. Uh, went to school over at the Methodist Theological School in Ohio, got my calling and went there and uh, graduated with an MDiv. I did three years as a student pastor while I was in school, and uh, this is where I met my wife at my student appointment. And, you know, uh, formerly I was in the United Methodist Church, and you you operate under an itinerant system where... You know, the leadership appoints you. They send you to where they want you to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we were getting ready to finish, we graduate, and we're going to get, I'm going to get ordained, and they're going to move us. We're like, wonder where we're going to end up. You know, we could end up down on the Ohio River, and Portsmouth, Cincinnati, Toledo. And all they did, because we were over in Union County uh, at York Center, they just bumped us right over one county <laughs> mm-hmm. to Huntsville. The big city, by the way. Yeah. yeah, I mean York Center. Yeah, to Huntsville. There, there's a there's a big city move. <laughs> yeah. Not. Yeah. yeah, I think Huntsville at the time maybe you know, six, seven, eight hundred people. Yeah, I, small. I, yeah, I, I, small I, town. I don't know how many people were there, but 
I know my wife and I were pretty excited to land there. Um, you know, my wife grew up on a family farm uh, at the time. It was about a thousand acre farm. She has 13 other siblings. So she knows country life and she likes small town life. And just so happens I do too. You know, when I was in high school, uh, my work was for my ag and science teacher out on his farm and for his brother-in-law and they had cattle and, and farming and baling straw and all that. So, you know, small town life and country life was something we we uh, had an interest in. So they sent us over to Huntsville in 1998. And I remember when we went there for our very first interview, like, is this going to work? And, and my wife and I are in the interview. And how's that for an interview process, right? All you business gurus. You sit down with your spouse in an interview. Mm-hmm. Well, I did. <laughs> uh-huh. With the good people of Huntsville, right? <laughs> and... Uh, when it was all finished, we thought, you know, this feels real good. And, and I remember standing there at the time by the post that led down to the sanctuary. And, and I, I looked at my wife and I said, you know, what if, what if, what do you think could happen if, like, we just committed ourselves to the work of the kingdom here? And I mean, just bought in and just went to town on this. What do you think could happen? And at the time, there was about roughly 25 to 30 people attending the church. And this was really a part of the work of, of you know, your Uncle Emerson, uh, someone whom I dearly loved and valued his input. Um, what was going on there was pretty much, listen, if, if we're going to go down as a church, let's go down swinging. And I love that mentality. And I feel so fortunate that I ended up landing at a place where it felt like people were ready for something different. Um, there's a book by Mike Slaughter called Spiritual Entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And it, it's pretty old, uh, but... You know, I read that, and, and it was really interesting to approach ministry from an entrepreneurial perspective, and especially when you talk about, you know, 20, 25 years ago, reading that kind of stuff. And so something happened. You know, the spirit went to work. The people were willing. You know, my wife and I just dove right in, and here we are 25 years later, and some pretty cool things have happened. So, And, and just to mention some of those things that I've seen is, uh, Brian's wife, Alice, um, is very involved in the music ministry. She's a singer and a pianist and really brought music back to the church. And, and not that it wasn't there, but, you know, the hymnal book that had always been used, right. maybe was a little tired. And, you know, having a praise team, having other musicians up there, mm-hmm. you know, getting people excited. So that was probably a big shift. The other thing was really, I, I think the church recognized that children were the future. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, again, going back, if we if we trace back the steps on this, when we arrived at Huntsville, there's no youth ministry to speak of. Yeah. And uh, I remember my district superintendent, when we got there, he says, don't do anything for the first year. <laughs> Just, <laughs> don't change anything. Yeah. Status quo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah. You know. Sounds like the corporate, you know, talk down kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we didn't have that luxury. Um, you know, soon afterwards, by September... You know, we came there in July, and by September, we were, had a few extra families, and they were showing up with kids, and we thought, man, we had to do something with the kids. Wouldn't that just be fun? Well, we didn't know what to do, and there was really nobody available to do it, so I just said, hey, if the kids want to get involved, why don't they just show up here on uh, Wednesday night at 630? Mm-hmm. And they did, and we just started figuring out as we went. Uh, but one thing led to another. We got some volunteers. We organized it all. Uh, something, of course, with your sister. I think she was part of the group. When I had the youth ministry, 
my deal was taking the high school group down to West Virginia to go whitewater rafting. All right. That was always a draw. Yeah, you know? I'm sure. And uh, one, of the, one of the tickets behind that was you need to attend X number of youth group events in order to be <laughs> eligible to go. There you go. Uh, I'm looking for a little incentive. Which, you know, my sister, Ashley, like Brian said, was attending. Mm-hmm. And that experience for her, you know, growing up, she would attend church with my grandmother. Um, and that was a very special time between the two of them, but particularly for my sister and what she was going through in high school and college, being a part of that regular tradition and, and schedule and the love and support that she received from that. When she had a choice to what she was going to focus on in life, she wanted, um, she chose a school and a, a program where she could she could be involved in youth ministry mm-hmm. and coming back to Huntsville, you know, her, she and, and pastor Brian teaming up to take what she had experienced and expanding it was something that, um, w- was a huge growth and, and success point for the church. I tell you what Ashley brought to the youth ministry at the church just like blew the top off. She's dynamic. She's incredible. Uh, I mean, she is like a Pied Piper with kids. She uh, really I, is. I mean, she <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. And, and I mean, she just speaks a language that they understand. Um, she's not afraid to just worship in front of the kids, and the kids just feed off that. Uh, from the youngest to the oldest, uh, it, you know, and here's a funny story, if it's okay. Yeah, please, sure. So she's a senior at Ashland University, mm-hmm. and I make a trip up there because there's some other kids from the school, and I want to go up and see them and... and um, you know, went to worship with him. They had a service called the well. And uh, my question was like, Hey, how late is this thing going to last? It's Thursday night. I'm like, Oh, it's about an hour, hour and a half. Well, when, you know, it went about two, two and a half hours. That <laughs> sure. day. I'm the old guy yawning. There in the front <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, but I remember I took Ashley and, and some of the other kids out to eat that night uh, before the service. And I was like, so Ashley, tell me, what are your plans when you get done uh, with college? What, what do you think you're going to land? What do you think you're going to do? And um, at the time, she was dating this guy on the baseball team. I think, uh, you know, uh, Jeremy, I think. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's like, well, we're, we're going to go wherever the Lord leads us. We'll go anywhere in the world, mm. wherever the Lord takes us, because we just want to be open to what, what he wants. And Jeremy was like, you know, I'm throwing resumes everywhere. Yeah. And I'm at the dining, you know, we're sitting there in the restaurant that night. I'm like, boy, I'd love it if she'd come back and maybe get her plugged into the church. Lo and behold, she lands back in Huntsville yeah. <laughs> and becomes our, our youth pastor. That's awesome. And, and, you know, she and Jeremy got married, and he now works in our family business and right. is leading the helm in a lot of ways there. And, yeah. you know, it is it is that putting that that prayer and that thought and intention. And sometimes our gaze is, is always like we've got to find what we're missing, that it's somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But it can also be back home. Right. Know. Right. Nothing wrong at all with that. No, not at all. I love that. You know, as we're talking about, you know, the, the church pouring into young people, things like that, yeah, my personal experience, I mean, I'm not sure if we shared this in the podcast yet or not, but like I grew up in, uh, you know, a faith-based home and, you know, church was always a big part of our life. Started with a small country church. We ended up planning a church. My mom got involved with ministry. Uh, my sisters, you know, got involved with, uh, you know, singing and being part of the praise team, things like that. Um, and they're a little bit older than me, so I was kind of like the little kid watching it all happen, and then eventually um, my mom started, you know, doing more and more ministry, and I kind of fell into that same, like, doing ministry uh, from the stage with, you know, uh, singing. I was really getting into video and things like that, and I'd like to say that, like, 
part of a lot, big part of my personal development was just being a part of the church, you know, um, in a safe environment where, you know, you feel loved and cared for, fed spiritually, and then, you know, providing practical ways for, for young people to, you know, practice their gifts, you know, and, and learn and develop. Um, and that takes me all the way through. I went to a Christian school where that same kind of, you know, I know it's not the case for everybody, but that same kind of atmosphere and environment, you know, was very, um, I don't know. I, I feel like it was a launching pad for me. And then nurturing maybe. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it yeah. brought me into college and I had the same kind of experience. Same. I mean, this is great leaders over me, right? That's what I credit it to. And, um, obviously I, I also credit it to God pushing me in the right direction, but, um, you know, we're here and I, I, I see that, you know, personal growth and development of young people within the church service, uh, or the, within the church walls, uh, you know, all done through the local church. Um, and you know, I, I get really passionate talking about it, but, um, you know, that's personal development, but I think the church plays a big part in the community. You know, so this is, you can see where I'm going with this, but like, love to hear from your, your two perspectives of this. What, what does the, the church, the local church play in your community? Um, let's just start there and see where it goes. Yeah. And that's a huge question. It's a loaded question. And, and there's always room in that question for the local church to get better and improve upon it. Um, you know, one of the things that that we've held for a long time, and this is not original to to my thought, it was it was one of the mentors early on um, who ingrained this in me, and that is the local church is the hope of the world. Mm-hmm. And to take that approach, and you know, like what's that mean exactly? You know, I love what it means, but what exactly does it mean? And when you articulate that out, and, and you think about the local church in the community and what role does it serve, it needs to be reminded that it is, in fact, the hope of the world. Because if, if you look at this, I mean, government. Um, you know, they can, they can put policy in place, right? But government policy, and I think we are all seeing this right now, we're seeing this play out before our very eyes, but government policy can't ail what diseases the human soul, mm. right? And, no, and, and I think you're actually seeing in this day and age, people thinking the government can do that. And, and a politician's role is to get a vote. Right. And, and so like, They'll, they'll tell you one thing, yeah. but it doesn't fix this. Right, it, it doesn't. Yeah. It, there's something going on in here and it doesn't fix. And then if you look at like academia, mm-hmm. right, they can educate a mind and it's a powerful thing. And I, and I love education from the standpoint that once you get an education, it is yours. Nobody can steal that from you. But education in and of itself can't fully transform a human heart, right? And then if you look at the business in the marketplace, businesses can can manufacture widgets and gadgets and gadgets and they can create things that transform lives and communities right but they can't manufacture something that turns maybe a greedy person into a generous person Mm. um, a mean person into a kind person they can't manufacture that and what we say is only only the transforming power of jesus christ can do that Mm -hmm. and he gave that message to the church and therefore, we know that the local church is the hope of the world because it's our responsibility to take that message. The one thing that can transform a life from the inside out, from the heart to the mind outward, is supposed to be the local church. Now, I say all that, and I know there's going to be an audience watching this, and I already know the pushback. Boy, sometimes the local church doesn't get that right. Yeah. And, and all I can say is, yeah, you're right. Yeah. People are messy. 
but organizations and government amplify the messiness, right? And so do churches. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. sure. I, I mean, if, if you really want to walk into a laboratory of messy, come to church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. I, I'm sure, I mean, you, that's, you see it all. Yeah. And, and, and people, it, it, they, they come to you, and, and, and a lot of it's confidential, but they, you're someone that they can trust to say, this is what I'm dealing with. Right. And something you need to keep in mind is whether you're in the church or in the marketplace or, or, or you know, in, in government, it doesn't matter where you at or you're at, people are people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. In the local church, local church is the hope of the world, but the local church, you want to know what one of the, the major stumbling blocks is to the local church? Sure. There's people. Yeah. You know, suddenly it, it's not because when we walk into a local church, suddenly all the, the selfish desires evaporate from us. No, we, we all come walking in there mm-hmm. with our baggage and, and, you know, I always say, let's check it at the door, but that's easier said than done <laughs> too. Right. Yeah. And I think, <clears throat> I don't know, there's multiple different ways we can take this conversation. And uh, for, you know, anyone listening, I know there's uh, a myriad of different beliefs out there and, you know, by no means are we trying to necessarily tell you one right. way or the other. So like we're be respectful, but um, also like we know the reality in a lot of small towns and especially in our culture, church and faith community is a big part of it. And it certainly um, addresses the, the spiritual part of a person, you know, and that we want to, you know, that's what our, our conversation wants to be about today. Um, what was I going to say to your point? Well, I'll just mention, so establishing leaders you know we we a lot of people we've had on the show have are people that identify as leaders when i was growing up there were teachers there were people that would point to uh the president they would point to certain athletic stars or astronauts there's a pretty big gap today on who we point to as leaders kind of at that national stage how do you look at leadership in your life and the way that you're serving and supporting others? Again, great question. Um, I think any conversation that is about leadership, it starts first and foremost with what I call servant leadership. There is no other style of leadership other than servant leadership. And that means whether it's me, whether it's you at Small Nation, mm-hmm. or whether it's you know the CEO out at Honda, if they're going to be an effective leader, it starts first with being a servant. Now, I take that from from the one whom I follow, right. being Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. who just said, I, I've come not that you would serve me, but that I'll serve you. I mean, the spiritual leader, the world leader, he transformed the world. And here's the guy that, you know, if you look in the scriptures in John 13, what's he do? He takes a towel and a, a basin of water, and he washes his disciples' feet. This was a task designed for the lowest of servants to wash feet. And what does he do? I'll wash yours. I'll wash yours. So anytime we we talk about leadership, it begins with servant leadership. And uh, again, that's something that, you know, I think it was Patrick Leoncioni. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I got his last name right there or not. Um, But, you know, was at a conference where he was speaking and, and he addressed the crowd with, with that leadership insight. And I thought he's exactly right. Yeah. Jesus quite literally flipped leadership upside down. It did. It did. You know, humility wasn't a trait uh, that was prized back in, you know, what we'd call the first century, uh, uh, you know, population and and history. But Jesus comes along and rewrites that as well and turns humility into something that is to be desired. Mm -hmm. 
And why is that? Well, that's because he's the ultimate in leaders and leadership. And we take our cues from that. And it was his whole idea of, I've come not that you'd serve me, but that I'll serve you. Mm -hmm. So how do we take that into, uh, you know, our everyday lives, you know, in our businesses, in our, you know, communities, and whatever role that you play, uh, you know, this, these are the, the lessons that we learn in church, but certainly, you know, it, it wouldn't be effective if it just stayed there, right? So uh, what, what do you think are some practical ways people can carry that out? Well, I, I can actually give you an example. Um, you know, I, I sit on the Chamber of Commerce in Lone County. It's really neat. Ben Volrap is doing some amazing things. Um, he's a good example of a leader. But just at our, our most recent meeting, uh, the story came up about uh, up at Indian Lake, you know, they needed an extra bus driver and they couldn't find a sub to come <laughs> in. So they got this one guy who wasn't real familiar with the route and he ran late, but it just so happened that the one guy was the superintendent of Indian Lake, Rob Underwood. <laughs> that's how a leader serves. That's a great that, example. That's how a leader puts a towel over, over his or her arm and says, you know what, I'll do it. And, and uh, I forget who said it at the meeting, but I, I was like, yeah, that, there's a huge amen to that. But who wouldn't want to be a champion for that school Yeah. when the superintendent was like, give me the keys to the bus. I'll just go do it myself. I'll roll my sleeves up, and, and we'll do this together. And, and so it becomes an example. Um, you know, leadership becomes example when we talk about how does that get seen. Well, you know, if people are on a project, it never hurts for, for you know, the leader to be there beside him, to show up. And sometimes it's not a matter of doing. Sometimes it's just a matter of encouraging, letting them know that you see them. This can be done in presence, and that's really a big thing in the ministry. Um, presence is a lot. The ministry of presence and what it represents. And it just says we're in this together. Yeah. Pastor Brian, how do you think, you mentioned that you serve on the chamber board, um, and uh when you think about what you see as an organization that is encouraging more commerce, more tourism, you know, raising funds to support the mission of the chamber, how does running a business differ or is similar to running a church? Yeah, 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 good question. I'm always saying good question. Yes, they are. <laughs> good. Um, you know, here's the thing about it. it. A lot of people will think, well, the church, the church looks kind of like a business, and then, um, you know, and, and in probably in what way? So if we said that you've got to have customers or members, yeah. right? You've got to, you know, the, the collection plate is kind of your, your sales, right? You've right. got to be bringing revenue in and you have expenses. You have, you have expenses. Right. And, and I also think you've got to figure out the product that you're selling, right? So right. like, is the music, is the, is the way you're presenting your content, is it good? And, and you'll know pretty quick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get people laughing though, right? Yeah. Humor uh, is a part of the, yeah. the sermon every week. Humor has maintained me in ministry for, <laughs> for about the last 30 years. Uh, man, if I'm not laughing, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just that ministry can be difficult. And especially from that, from that perspective, what's, you know, again, here's what I always try and remind people. Uh, the church can be run in a business-like manner but it's not a business. Mm. And if you try and box the church into a corner and run it like a business, it'll end up driving you up the wall. Yeah. And here is what we say in terms of like product. We don't have the luxury of having a two for one sale on Jesus. <laughs> you just, you can't do that. <laughs> nope, in the church, do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, you can't get away with saying this week only 
absolved sin. Come on in. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've tried that tactic uh, a few times, but but it doesn't get very far. And um, but you know what we're what we're trying to advance is not a product, yeah, but a way of life. We're we're sitting there offering hope uh, to people, right? And and here's the other thing: if we can just go in a little bit on, on a dive on yeah. this here, you look at the world around us right now, and it doesn't take very long to realize this is like a giant dumpster fire, right? If you follow the news from politics to to the economy to everything in between and all that, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is bad news. What's the one place where where should you be able to go, or where could you go? To get a different message, to hear things are different. Mm-hmm. That's the work of the local church. That's the product. That's the hope. And the hope isn't in what you can buy. The hope is in the one whom you put your faith in. And then it becomes our work to flesh that out and to articulate that week by week, day by day, in the ministries that we do. Um, so, again, you know, they call us a nonprofit for a reason because we're not looking to profit. We don't have a product to sell but it's the most valuable thing you could ever hope to have. The win is to reach people. Yes. I mean, so a lot of times that gets perceived as we want a bigger church. We want, you know, to add this expansion. And for for people who have been through experiences where they've been hurt by previous, you know, things like that, back to your previous point, people are flawed. Like, I, you know, in in the faith community, we believe that, you know, people, you know, are, are sinful from the beginnings. Like, we have our own intentions and, um, you know, so people are going to mess it up. Churches have messed it up in the past. So like, I, I'm sorry that for people have gone through that hurt and experienced right. that. And, um, I, my heart goes out to them, but in, just to share the same <clears throat> things in the business community, but yeah. you know, in the, the faith community, I was watching a YouTube video of one of the mega church pastors, like from 30 years ago. And, mm-hmm. They're panning all of his jets that he is using to fly around the country. Yeah. And his line was, well, if Jesus was around today, he sure wouldn't be riding a donkey. And, you know, and he said <laughs> yes, it with serious, but like that, that just shows like there, there is people that got bought in to the crazy stuff. But the same thing is of the business gurus, like that mm-hmm. write the best selling book. And then people, y- y- you have to kind of do your own due diligence. Yeah. Church is not evil. <laughs> Money is not evil. It's it's so you have to understand it's how you use those tools. Yeah, yeah. It's people that can be the problem if you know things go unchecked, you know, and that things aren't put into perspective. And you're not feeding yourself spiritually. I mean, at, at some level, whether you you know believe in God or not. I mean, honestly, it's like there's there's a part of you that needs to be checked, right, and and fed and nourished and. Um, realigned given hope you're saying like it's the hope of the world so um yeah i don't know man this is this is a deep topic but uh i love it um what are some of the differences jason as you see other communities where the faith community is active versus when it's not like what are some of those things that you can see the faith community has the power to move the ball so i um am a first generation college student um i had a music teacher in middle school and high school that invested a lot in me and um, encouraged me to go uh, audition for a scholarship. And so to going to parents and grandparents that, you know, had not had the college experience, um, it was just different. They, they really weren't sure that that made sense. But I, I ended up in the town of Ada, Ohio, and I auditioned at Ohio Northern University. 
And um, my connection as I was learning more about the university and the people that were there, it was an experience where there's just this warmth. Um, and, you know, I, I ended up going to school there. I graduated with a degree. But as I started learning more about the DNA of the school, um, they happened to be a part of the, the Methodist uh, university system. And there's five other Methodist colleges in Ohio. And I, as I deep dive deeper back in the university's history, there was a point in time, um, Henry Solomon Lur, the, the founder of the university, um, about 30 years into the institution, they financially could not sustain. And they were looking, because of how important education was at that time, um, they were looking for a, a life raft on how to keep the university around, but also save the town of Ada. And at that time, the Methodist Church stepped in, and um, it became a Methodist-affiliated institution. And so that DNA and that history for me, you know, growing up in a Methodist church, being able to go to a Methodist institution, um, was was really important. And and it was another example where the role of the church and community, uh, th- th- that those resources, that support, if that hadn't happened, if that investment wasn't made, my life would be very different. And I think that's kind of the the... The, the neat thing about um, some of the DNAs at the local churches and then some of the, the, the larger congregations of the impact they've had on the region. Mm-hmm. And then deeper, I think my interaction of, you know, being able to meet the Bishop of the Methodist conference, hear from him, be able to um, hear the way he was thinking there. There's a lot of challenges and, and Brian's firsthand in, in, in the church, you know, our local church has been, you know, dealing with those things too, but it's given me perspective, not that, you know, I have my personal beliefs with it, but it's given me perspective of these issues are not simple, they're complex. Right. But locally, you know, speaking to what's happening here, um, just having people that have values and have the heart to give and the heart to serve, you cannot go in this town, whether it's the United Way or the Chamber of Commerce or other organizations, faith is weaving into the DNA of all of that. And the 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 fundraising that happens that supports our um, T-ball teams, our music groups, our, uh, it's a feeder program for so much good. And if you were to ask individuals that are on a part of those organizations, and obviously not everybody, but I mean, we've had some of them here on the podcast where they, you know, openly say that that's that's why they do what they do, not for for the organization or things like that, but because they feel called to it because of the servant leadership Jesus teaches. You know, that's part of their faith is like the the reason for what they're doing is like way deeper than than you know just this is my job. <laughs> and so I think that that's why it's important for I mean from my perspective at least. And this is <laughs> coming from you know me. I'm just getting started in my career. I'm 23, like. I I'm I don't want to act like I know a, a whole lot here, but I, like when you have people that you know come into the church's doors, lives are changed radically. They go out into your community. They start they start organizations like that. They are joining forces with organizations who are doing the food pantry, who are you know making sure that I don't know homeless people have a place to stay when it's warm. It's like some of those like natural human rights, taking all politics and everything out of it. Like like. That's because of it, it comes from a deeper reason, a uh, deeper place that you know. For us, we believe that Jesus taught you know taught us to do that. So, the other thing I'll say is that when you go into towns, um, I am, admire architecture and and history. And oftentimes, in a small town, the most prominent and important buildings are the church. And um, those you know buildings, 
you know, mentioned the sacrifice and the, the, the giving and creating that, that sacred space for people to celebrate and to mourn and to, to gather. Um, and in many of those historic churches still line our streets. Um, and so I, I think that that, that choice of investment, the reason why you look at those beautiful leaded glass windows is someone felt that that was an important feature and point of pride for the town mm-hmm. for people to have that. Um, so I, I, you, you see that in the, the history of things like how those, those institutions, you know, that, that, that they do matter. Um, what's your perspective on that? I think if we go back to what you were saying, like, you know, how does, how does the church and the community partner up or how does, you know, how's the ball get moved in the community of that? And that really is a tough, tough place. Those, that's a tough crossroads because you would think, I mean, by default, the church should be in the community and you want it to, right? Right. I mean, the church should be plugged into the community somehow. But the question becomes, how do you do that? And how do you do it effectively? Because it's no fun if if it's not effective and you're throwing some financial resources at it and, you know, it just gets no traction at all. And you're yeah. like, it's not making a difference right now, but what else do we do? Um, and and so you've got to try and and throw a lot of things. What do they say? You throw a lot at the wall, what sticks? Great. Yeah. Um, you just keep going, you keep trying. And, you know, I would even go back to this and there is a synergy that can happen when you take a community like here in Bell Fountain and Logan County that is revitalizing. And Jason, I just want to say you do great work. I mean, Thank small you. nation, Ethan, you guys, what you do right here is incredible. Um, and, I mean, I hear from family members on the other side of Ohio about this organization called Small Nation from <laughs> Bell Fountain. Do you know them? Yeah, I do. I happen to know them, as a matter of fact. Uh, and they come in, and it, 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 it's great to see it because you build momentum. And it's great for the businesses. It's great for the marketplace. But one of the things that drove the decision-making for us back in 2015 and 16 and 17, when we were looking at an expansion project was, listen, Bell Fountain is revitalizing. Something's going on down there that is really, really good and really, really exciting. And, and we don't know exactly what's out there on the horizon, but we know it's really worth our attention and we need to be paying attention to it closely if we're going to be a church because here's the other factors. You know, church is not a business, but it can be run in a business-like manner. Well, we wanted to look at demographic reports and those kind of things, and we knew that uh, from just a pure sociological perspective, people enjoying their lives, you've got Indian Lake right up there, which... For, uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, that's a four-season playground. It really is, yeah. Um, and and it's not that uh, the community around there was going to be shrinking or that it was going to be seeing major growth, but it was steady. We're like, okay, so people want to go to the lake, and we, we know that's there. We know there's an economic engine in our community called Honda. And for every job at Honda, you're talking four to six, uh, you know, auxiliary positions, nice paying jobs. So it, it continues to draw people and it makes this place really steady and really balanced. Uh, just as a sidebar comment, you know, they, they thought Plain City would take off about 15 years before it did. And they couldn't understand why, but, but now it has. It sure has. And, and again, those are things you just need to be paying attention to. So when we thought about, you know, the economic engines and, and a place to recreate in Logan County as a whole, and then what you're getting here in downtown Bell Fountain, 
you, you don't have to drive 45 minutes down Route 33. You can come right in here and get incredible restaurants, you know, from 600 to the syndicate uh, and all points in between. Um, great coffee. you got great places to shop for clothes. Uh, I mean, what an incredible place to move, to live, to raise a family. And so it only makes sense that if you're going to be a church, why don't you be a church that offers something to this growing population or it's coming in. So that, that was an influence from us and we wanted to do those things. Now I, I would also uh, tip my hat to Grace Brethren and how they've come alongside and what they, they had the ice rink, right? They had the ice rink. So this year they brought their city Christmas, which it was a separate event in previous years and merged it with our downtown Christmas event on first Fridays. Nice. The largest turnout that I have ever seen they had a beautiful market with different vendors and things that were set up, a live nativity. Um, it was, I mean, a, a lot of towns will always say, wow, that was a really great parade. This was a magical night that when you look at the photos and videos and the way people were feeling, it was really, really special. And and again, it was, I think, total grace. They had over 100 volunteers, wow. a significant amount of money, but um, that's a great example of the partnership with right. a community event. Right. And, and so you look at that and you're like, okay, that's, that's how you partner up there. And, it, and of course, up at Cornerstone, uh, just a couple weeks ago, we have partnered with the Tim Tebow Foundation to bring the Night to Shine prom in. Mm. And again, very cool program, by the way, if you, if you don't, if you're unfamiliar with that, look it up. Yeah, yeah. agreed. And, and, you know, so you know, we have all these persons with, with special needs that come in and this is a night for them to be loved on. Mm -hmm. We, you know, they are crowned the Kings and Queens, but it's, you know, as much as it is about them, it is about giving people from the community an opportunity to serve. Yeah. See, and now it all starts to go back. You start to see this circle, you know, start to, to, to come together about service and faith and growth and community and how it all connects. But in addition to just our own church people, we got people from outside the community, from different churches coming in. Uh, Randy Dodds in the sheriff department shows up. The Tim Jenkins in the Huntsville Fire Department is there on hand. We've got all these different things, different businesses that are showing up to support it. We have business sponsorships from within the county. And, and again, it's just a way to connect with the community. And when you can do that, when you can find that spot, and that is golden. Yeah. And you got to work to find it though. Well, it takes yeah. courage. And you mentioned to be a leader and to organize the effort, you know, and I, I think that's, again, just a, a applaud to you and your congregation is that um, those are big, bold things for a, a small church in, in Huntsville, Ohio. Well, and, and I want to, I want to say it because it needs to be said, um, you know, your sister, our youth pastor, Ashley, uh, she has what I would call led up um, in that church. She came in, uh, you know, over 10 years ago and from the get go was was saying, you, let's just do let's go big. Let's try these things. Let's let's be a light to the community and let's see what happens. And she's done it with youth ministry. She's done it in other other areas. And, and she does things outside of the church as well. But when you finally begin to start doing that, then you realize this is getting fun. You're exhausted. Yeah. Right. Right. It's a good exhaustion though. And much yeah. to what we talked about here early, it can get messy really quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But man, when when you find that place and it's fun, you're just like, 
you're, you just have energy to go. Yeah. Um, you'll rest when it's over, but right now I'm just in the moment and, and I love this and I love what it brings to the community and I love what you guys have brought to the community. And, you know, my hope is for, for, you know, all the local churches to find ways in that to do. To plug in. Yeah. It, uh, go ahead. It, well, I just want to mention one thing uh, that, you know, the night to shine, you mentioned that. And then we talked about um, earlier w- w- about thinking entrepreneurially in the church, helping it innovate, helping it create new things. As I've gotten to know you, um, your wife, Alice, your, your family, um, you also have a family business. And I want to I want to talk about Hannah. She's someone that's very special to me and I and to many others. But um, I'd like to share tell tell us a little about your family's business. All right. Well, uh, my daughter is Hannah, and she is part owner of what's called Hannah's Honey. And um, you know, we 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 work with a partner, and uh, there's over a hundred beehives involved. And believe it or not, she's never been stung. She has her own bee suit. <laughs> I love that. Um, I have. I've been lit up a few times. <laughs> uh, it, it's my own fault, too. But not <laughs> Hannah. I don't know. She, she's a Pied Piper with the bees, I guess. Um, but it was an idea from some folks in the church. And again, it, it, the whole, the whole con- again, going back to the concept is, let's try a lot of things. Let's have fun at this. I mean, you get one shot at life. There's no do-overs on <laughs> this. When it's just over, it's just over, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at least here. And, yeah. and, you know, for us, we will talk about an eternal glory, maybe not on this podcast, yeah. but, but in the right place at the right time. So let's have a good time. Let's, and, and some friends in the congregation approach and they have some beehives and they want to expand it. And they said, we'd like to maybe go in a little more business minded area. And what we'd like to do is bring your daughter on board and be kind of the face and the name about it. And of course, the thing you need to know about my daughter is she's special needs mm-hmm. and she's adopted. Mm-hmm. We got her at about six weeks of age and the doctors told us um, she's never going to walk and she's never going to talk. And she's going to be a vegetable all her life and probably won't live too many years. So you need to prepare yourself for this. And as you know, my wife and I say, and this was a saying at the time, we didn't necessarily say we didn't have the language for it. But, um, you know, a dear friend of mine who's passed on to glory, Nathan Thatcher, he was the one that gave me the phrase after what he went through. Um, and they were telling him some, you know, what to expect with his daughter in a car wreck. And Nathan just said, well, that's not what my God says. I, I don't buy it. And so mm-hmm. Alice and I, when it came to Hannah, when she was that young, uh, we were like, we, we didn't have the language. But if we did, what we'd be saying is, well, that's not what God says about, you know, to us. And so we worked with her. We put her into PT. We did everything we possibly could. And now she graduated from Indian Lake High School. Mm-hmm. Wow. She uh, is an honorary student at Cedarville University. They let her go down there for a day and take one class and, and recognize her. Wow. And, and she's cool. part owner of Hannah's Honey. And I'm glad to tell you that her honey is featured at 600 Downtown, which is my favorite favorite pizza place okay um and it's the main event that they have it on and they also use the honey to make the honey mustard dressing and they use the honey in the dough for the uh detroit pizza wow and we've had Brittany on the podcast before and she spoke about how important local food and local ingredients are to her menu design but just that connection yeah and um when you are around hannah the love that she has for everyone she is just this 
warm glow of energy and she remembers everyone's name and she's excited to see you. But just seeing her and Brittany in the restaurant, the yeah. pride of knowing that her product's being used. And then also from a business standpoint, that's where the, the, the doing the right thing can be good for business and can generate more sales and profit. People care about the story behind what you're eating. Right. And so that's just another one of those win-wins that's circulating that good. Yeah. And from my experience, at least with churches, uh, you know, great source of community, right? If you're looking for friends, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of lonely people, lonely people out there. I mean, like, uh, it's a great place to do life alongside other people, and it leads to impactful life things such as that. I mean, that's a, that's an example of one. But to our earlier conversation about getting involved in the community and stuff, serving is a means to community. Like, it it sounds a little backwards, and it sounds like, I mean, it's kind of tough to think about, like, oh, I have to give my time for free, uh, you know. But what I will tell you is what you get out of it, and I've experienced it with multiple different churches now, is that by giving of your time, not only does it put your perspective in the right place, but it also deepens relationships with fellow human beings, <laughs> right? Um, people who can, you know, hurt with you when you're hurting can celebrate when your celebrations, right? Things like that. So that that's something that just as our conversation before, and even as we just talk about doing life together and the importance of things, whether it's business, you know, outside of the church or whatever, like serving in a local church brings about that fulfillment, that that longing that you know, pretty much everybody has somewhere to, to do life with other people. It's a great place to find it. You know, just another point. <laughs> I concur. Um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, what are some of the, the practical things? Well, well, I'll ask you this way. What would you say to churches across the country that uh, feel like they lack the resources, whether it could be money or manpower, to get involved? You know, yeah. and it's a tough one. So, so I'll just just add some color to that. We go to a lot of towns that are like what you described in Huntsville when you first started, or what Bell Fountain was 15 years ago, where 80% of the town is vacant and empty, and there's a lot of apathy and and no solutions for people to step up to fix it. How do we help get that engine together again to to do what you have accomplished? I mean. Brian's very humble, but the size of the church, when you mentioned you started how many members, 20-ish? 25, 30. Where are you at up. today? Um, we probably average close to around 200 on a Sunday. 10 times it. Yeah. And I think that's a number you hear a lot in business. If you could 10 times anything, mm -hmm. that's the path. And similarly, what we've worked, we've 10 times the development efforts of this downtown. What have you learned? Like, what what's your advice to help people be able to do that in the early days? Um there's not one, there's not just one thing you're going to do. And you need to make your peace with that right away. Um, you know, it was Jim Collins talked about the flywheel concept. Like you put one person on there and they start pushing and you just, you push with everything you have and it doesn't go very far. But somebody sees the effort and there's servant leadership yep. right there. Okay. And somebody's like, man, that person is just giving everything they got. That's an inspiration to me. And they, what they do, they come alongside and they get on that flywheel. And like, Let me help you push that a little bit. And suddenly it moves a little bit more. 
And you keep doing this over and over. And, and, you know, you talk about bringing on a spirit of entrepreneurship, even into the church. Well, let's try this. If you, if you can just find one person that says, I'll work with some kids and maybe I can't work with all the kids, but just a little bit, or, you know, you get somebody much like in a business place. If you have people around you, you have great ideas around you. There is a room full of talent. You just have to figure out how to get it out of their of their mind, out of their thought, out of their heart, and into action. And so, you know, you got this flywheel going, and it just starts to build momentum. One of the neatest things, this, is, this might sound a little, I don't know, a little goofy or whatnot, but when, when I showed up at Huntsville, uh, one of the first things that was taking place was the the addition of a, of a fellowship hall called Einstein Hall, Bob and Bertha Einstein. God bless them. I won't go into it. <laughs> um, but everything had to be moved into the back of the sanctuary. Yeah. Okay. And it, for this construction project. And when it was over, they moved stuff out, but the carpet was ruined. So they had to put new carpet in back there. So they put new carpet down. But when they did that, they had these giant doors that blocked off the sanctuary from a little classroom space back there. Well, the carpet wouldn't allow for the doors to go back on. So we're like, just leave the doors off. And it was serendipitous because before church and after church, what few people we had started hanging out there. And it was just this place of fellowship. Mm -hmm. And and just that carpet. And, And suddenly since there was new carpet there and the carpet in the sanctuary was from like the 1970s, it was a shag red that faded to orange. We're just like, wouldn't new carpet look really well with that carpet? And they're like, well, yeah. As we did our first capital campaign, it was like a $4,000 campaign. And the people just stepped up like, oh yes, I I would love to be a part of that. And suddenly you had this beautiful carpet, but the pew, the pews, it, had, it was supposed to be red upholstery and padded, but it had faded to orange and all the padding was gone. Yeah. And it was like, wouldn't new pews go really nice with uh, this carpet? And then here's the thing. Now you've got momentum going. And the yeah. sound system we had back in the church, it was it was this lapel mic that would work about 50% of the time. <laughs> yeah. And they had a cassette tape deck player. I mean, it was... was this was old. You know, you have your cassette tape, you put it in, push it down and hit play. Mm-hmm. If somebody was going to do music, um, and, and we had some, again, once you start getting a little momentum and people start showing up and, and they, they then see what's going on, this entrepreneurial spirit, when they come to you and they're like, would you like a new sound system? They feel the challenge. They know the challenge. And I think our, our, one of our roles as leaders is to invite people into the challenge, to challenge them, to give them something. Because it's been my experience that unless, unless you challenge someone to take the next step, you know what we're bound to do? Not do it. Just be complacent. Yeah. I'll just sit here and do nothing. And in the church, I mean, that is a virus. Yeah. I'm, I'm just here. I don't want to do nothing. And, and notwithstanding, people, when people come into the church, they don't come to church by accident. Something's mm-hmm. going on in their life that brings them into a church, and they need time to maybe just sit there and, and try and wrap their head around what's going on in their life. But there comes a time when you have the opportunity as leaders to invite them. You know, we take another step here. Yeah. We try something. We, we, what, what interests you? What's some of your gifts and talents? All the way from serving to giving to, to generosity to, to compassion. Where are you at? What do you want to do? Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, 
as we're kind of closing up here, you know, just I sum things up in my head at least. Like, if you're in a church and you're not serving right now, one, get involved that way. But then as a church community, like, see if there's, you know, places in your community that you can, you know, be a part of, that you can um, join forces with another church, you know, or, or just send a few volunteers to to be a part of the community. And I think, you know, it may be a growing thing for your church. And I, I don't want to dismiss, you know, churches that may be thinking, I don't have the money, I don't have the manpower, because I know it's a real thing, right? And, and don't forget, um, you know, people will say, and this is this is something you'll find in the church as well, and people will say, well, we just don't have the money to do that. Yeah. But, but never forget that um, funding follows vision. If you think you need to have the funding before the vision, like we can't talk about this, we can't do anything till we first get it, you're wrong. You've got it. You've got it reinvert. I mean, just as Jesus, if you read the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, he turns the world upside down. How it operates, it's going to get turned upside down. And the mm-hmm. same concept is true here that you know what? If you have a white hot vision, and you share that, and and you you help people see the pathway to that, and through that, and for that. It's amazing how funding starts to follow that. Yeah, especially if you're called. To it, right? yeah. It's almost like something's meant to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's really great. Um, I know you already shared some today, and thank you for sharing those. But do you have any other resources you'd like to share uh, around this topic, or any resources that were particularly helpful for you along your journey? Um, you know, it, it's interesting that we're sitting here doing this. Uh, because back in, in the 90s, when I went into the ministry, um, I, I became part of what was then known as the Willow Creek Association, now known as the Global Leadership Association out of Chicago uh, with the Willow Creek Church. And I started receiving these things in the mail. It was a cassette tape, and it was called Defining Moments. And it was a strange concept, but it was about the pastor and leaders sitting around a table having a conversation. <laughs> you know, and here we the are. The early podcast. Yeah, it yeah. was. It really was. It was called Defining Moments. And I would put that in and I would listen to it. And I'm like, wow. So that was always a resource. You yeah. know, to, I, I wanted to educate myself. I mean, you know, I went to seminary and they teach you to think theologically. Yeah. But when I landed in the local church, I was so poorly equipped to do uh, you know, local church life. I never seen a spreadsheet, right? Yeah. It, and it wasn't until, you know, our, our then treasurer, Kay Spath, was like, we're going to, we're going to put together some spreadsheets. We're going to do profit and losses and we're going to take a look. And we're, we're, and it was great. And by becoming part of, of a leadership, a church leadership organization like that, it helped immensely. And I could get my hands on the books and I could go to the conferences and I could go hear uh, folks like Jim Collins speak. I've, I've been to see him uh, three or four times Mm -hmm. and, and read his material because you will find that there is great crossover between the business world and the church world. There comes a point where you can't get them to mesh, but there's a lot of layover. And, And I even said that years ago, it finally occurred to me, I want to take, some of my best business leaders out of the congregation. I want to put them on the board. Yeah. And I want to overlay that with spiritual principles. Yep. And let's see where this goes and what happens with that. Um, so that was uh, one of the leadership, uh, you know, tools that was very helpful to me. Um, and even now it's a lot different with a smartphone and all the different organizations out there. They no longer send me tapes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I'd be concerned if they did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can go online. They have an app, the whole nine sure. yards. Um, yeah. So, and I also believe it's important to surround yourself with people who are better than you. Yeah. 
Um, the only way you get better is by looking at someone who is ahead of you, who is better than you at what you do. Uh, um, and, and I've always held that in terms of, of another leadership mechanism and another leadership tool. And that is if you can hire better people, if you can bring better people onto your board, again, you put, you put good people in a room like that. They've got great ideas. Mm-hmm. And now we can we can work with that. We can tap that and draw that out. Yeah, that's really good. Thanks for sharing that. No, I, I thank you, Pastor Brian, for being on the show. I think that the the entrepreneurship and the innovation of of the operations of the local church is really. Um, it, the, I, I know you're a humble person. The word legacy probably isn't something that you're thinking about, but y- your your stamp of leaving that legacy of the story of Huntsville, the story of Cornerstone, the, the story of the families and lives that you have impacted um, is just so important and so significant. And we all have a role. And that's kind of what's neat about yeah. plugging in, um, you know, different sides of business and industry and faith. But we, we, the, the, we all need each other in yeah. the community. And, and I think now the world is so divisive yeah. and we spend so much time, you know, I, I, I look at it like the, the football team, like I'm planting my flag that I represent this football team when really we're all rooting for the same thing. And, and um, it's just an important message right now. So thank you for, for being that beacon of, of light and, and someone to look to um, when, when times are tough. Well, thank you. And uh, anything that I might have done that has been beneficial or positive, uh, I can only tip my hat to my maker and and give thanks to God. So my forte, my forte has always been screwing up. So if something (laughs) works well, then know that I got out of the way. (laughs) I love that. Um, And the last thing I kind of want to say is to the small church listening, you know, in the small town, you matter. You're significant. We need you, you know, in our communities. And uh, individuals need you, you know, more than you probably know. <laughs> so just as, you know, a, rem- a reminder to anyone listening. But uh, where can people follow you and keep up with what's happening with your church? All right. Well, we are currently in the process of a whole new website, cornerstonehuntsville.com. Should be done by Easter. Um, you, we just had uh, our firm there last night getting some more shots at our Turning Point Youth Ministry and, and all that. So they're currently putting it together because we've gone through a, another bit of a transformation. Uh, so cornerstonehuntsville.com uh, is is our uh, new website. We're currently in the process of getting new emails. Mm-hmm. So if anybody is listening and they're interested, be patient. <laughs> I guarantee if you Google, Google it, it, that will pop up. You've got a Facebook page as well that you've updated yes, to. Um, yeah. so you can find us on, on Facebook and Instagram. And I know we have a Twitter account, but we don't really get on there. And do I don't that blame you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll link some of those in the show notes as well of the episode, but Uh, Well, thank you everyone for tuning in and checking out the Small Nation podcast. You can find us anywhere that you listen to your podcast, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even the Small Nation YouTube channel. I hope you were able to pull some value from that conversation. We hope to see you in the next one. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a like, comment, or a five-star review to help more people to discover this podcast. And stay tuned to Small Nation on social media to keep up with all the cool projects that are happening here. And until next time, this is Ethan with the Small Nation podcast signing off. Thanks, everyone.